Well, good morning and welcome. We are glad you are here this morning. Welcome to those of you joining us by live stream. It is good uh, to be back with you this morning. We missed you guys the last couple weeks. Uh, thank you for your prayers for Betsy. She's here doing better, uh, all released and whatnot. Thank, thanking God for a mild case. And uh, anyway, just great to be back uh, with the body of Christ this morning. Uh, we want to welcome you again. If you're joining us today for the first time, we want you to know here at East LJ, we have been captivated by Christ. We have seen in Jesus, uh, and we cannot unsee the glory of God. And that glory is God's grace, the scriptures reveal to us. It's His mercy to forgive and justify us through the life, death, and resurrection and ongoing reign of Jesus, our Lord and our King. And He captivates us. He's, he's got our hearts. And it's our prayer that you will see and embrace the beauty of Christ that we enjoy and that you'll find yourself with us captivated by Him. A couple of quick announcements as we get started this morning uh, before we enter into worship. Uh, first of all, this year our church is going to partner with North, North Georgia Christian Academy on Operation Christmas Child. Uh, North Georgia Christian Academy will be packing 230 shoe boxes uh, to send to needy children uh, all over the world through Samaritan's Purse. And our church family's goal is to provide for those 230 boxes the Grow With Me shoes that we uh, got a hold of last year uh, a great gift to put in those boxes. These are shoes that expand for five sizes. And so um, our goal is to put a pair of those shoes in each box. Those shoes are $20 a pair. Uh, we need $4,600 by November the 2nd. And so we're calling on you to pray, to generously give. We'll begin on uh, uh, today to receive those offerings as uh, you leave this morning. Uh, ushers, if you'll just take care of that. Um, and so $4,600 will buy 230 pairs of those shoes. And we'll supply those to North Georgia Christian Academy and cooperate with them, just partner with them um, as, as we uh, go together to, to serve uh, needy children around the world. Also, youth and parents. Uh, I sent out a message a couple, maybe a week or two ago now, uh, about... Uh, we're not sure what to call it. It's not D now because it's in the fall, but uh, what, what would have been D now in the spring has been moved to November. I sent a message out that that had been rescheduled for Saturday, November the 14th. As I understand it, and I'm going to verify this, but it's now going to be Saturday, instead of Saturday, November the 14th, it's going to be Sunday, November the 15th. It'll be at the Victory Christian Center. The theme is You Are Here. We're, we're going to be dealing with who uh, you are, young men and women, uh, as uh, Christians, who you are in Christ, and what that means for your past, present, and your future. Uh, parents, if you bought T-shirts, those will be given to those who registered for DNAL back in the spring first, and then, then any that are left over will be distributed to the kids that are able to come. So Sunday, November the 15th, the evening of that Sunday, you are here event at Victory Christian Center. Are there any other announcements that I failed to make or may not be aware of? 
Well, if not, I just want to say a couple of thanks this morning. I just want to thank our worship team for carrying on and uh, continuing all throughout this time to lead us in worship. I want to thank our children's workers who have made Sunday mornings happen again uh, after, uh, as we kind of try to get back uh, in, in, a, in a rhythm here together uh, at church on Sunday mornings. So thank all of you guys who are making the nursery happen, children's Sunday school, children's church. We appreciate you and, and uh, thank you for what you do. Also, as always, thanks to Doug uh, Jordan who makes all the technical connections happen so that if you're not comfortable being here this morning, you're watching us uh, via live stream. So thank you, Doug, for your help with all that. Would you join me in standing? And I want to read to you from the Word of God. Let's stand together. Luke chapter 9, uh, verses 37 to 45 will be um, where we find our text for this morning. We're actually going to be looking, jumping over to Mark's gospel for most of the message this morning. But this is the, the text from Luke, the parallel text there in Luke's gospel uh, from which we uh, launched this morning. Luke chapter 9, verse 37. This is after the transfiguration. You'll remember they, uh, they were up on the mountain and, and all the three disciples saw Jesus' glory there. And the Father spoke and said, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. 9 verse 37 says, On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. And behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and shatters him and will hardly leave him. And I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, O oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon threw him to the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And all, who were, and all were astonished at the majesty of God. But while they were all marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, Let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand this saying, and it was concealed from them so that they might, might not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. It's a joy this morning to know the God who rules over all things. To know Christ who has all authority in heaven and on earth uh, over things, uh, over all principalities and powers. It's, it's a comfort to know this morning that this Jesus is my Savior. And he rules over evil spirits. He, he can cast out demons. Uh, and we know that all of this was possible because of what he would do on the cross, because of that ultimate victory he would win, as his, uh, having lived a perfect life, as he went to the cross and died the death that we deserved, and on the third day rose from the grave in victory. 
demonstrating that he was, in fact, Lord of all, King of kings. And, and so what a privilege it is just to know him today, amen? Um, especially as we consider so many in our world, in our own relation, relational circles. You've you got family members. Uh, we have friends. Uh, you may have co-workers that don't know Christ that don't know what it is to call out to the King of Kings and know that He is their Father and their Savior. Uh, and so we want to pray for those folks that you know. We also want to pray for people the world over uh, who've yet to even hear the gospel message, who don't even have the scriptures in their language fully. Uh, one such group is the Saniki uh, of Mali, West Africa. This is a Muslim group, 1,735,000 people with 0.1%. What I think that means is there's 173 roughly known believers out of 1,735,000 people. And so we would pray that God would reach them with the gospel, even through us. So join your hearts with me as we pray uh, and thank God. Lord, Lord Jesus, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the Son of God who commanded evil spirits to flee. You are the one who lived in our place perfectly, fulfilling the law for us. You went to the cross and bore in your own body our sins on the tree, paying the full ransom for us, totally and fully redeeming us forever. And on the third day, after you were buried, on the third day, you rose again in victory. Proving that you are Lord. The Father gave you the name above every name. That we would all bow before you. And so, Father, we just we thank you for your grace. Lord Jesus, we bow our hearts before you today. And we thank you that we know this truth. That we know you. We pray for our co-workers, our friends, family members, even close family members today. God, we pray for neighbors that you would open their hearts to understand this gospel, this, that they could see our Savior, the Lord Jesus himself. Father, we pray for the Saninki people of Mali that you would penetrate their culture with the gospel. Father, that the few believers that are there would be bold, even as they're intensely persecuted in that Muslim world uh, for, for naming the name of Christ, uh, physically threatened, lives often in danger. Father, how we pray that you would make them bold and, and that you would use them even in the face of, of danger to spread the gospel. Father, we think of the many uh, in our community this morning that are sick, folks around the church family that are sick. We pray that you would uh, bring healing to them. Father, I thank you for our church family. We pray that you would strengthen us. We pray that you would give us wisdom and strength and, uh, Lord, that you would enable us to move forward in these days uh, with a fresh and clear vision for how you would use us in this place. Father, we pray for our nation. What turmoil on multiple levels today, Father. 
And how we ask that you would make the church of Jesus Christ a light. A light that radiates grace and truth and love in such a hate-filled, angry, upside-down and confused world. Father, may we walk close with you day by day. And may, above all things, what, what's first on our lips and modeled in our lives be the good news of God's grace in Jesus Christ, which alone can save and change the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls. Father, we are thrilled to be able to worship you this morning. How quickly we may forget the joy and the privilege of being in this place. Thank you that my family can be back here this morning and join our hearts together. And so, Father, now, would, by your Spirit, would you just lead us? Would you lead our time of singing and worship and music? Would you work in our hearts to focus our hearts and minds on Christ? Would you exalt Jesus above all things? Would you keep our minds from distractions during this time? What's going on this afternoon? God, may we just focus on Christ and in Him find our all in all and the satisfaction that only He can give so that you are glorified even as you so richly deserve. Father, make it so for your name's sake we ask these things. Amen. Remain standing as we worship in song. It's good to have everyone join this morning. We're going to sing uh, Same Power to start with. Jason will be leading us in that.
Joe continues to play, I just want us to pray together right quick. Uh, Ken and Ruthie, it's good to have you home uh, just for today. They're leaving just in the next couple days to head back out to Colorado. As many of you know, we've been praying for their daughter who uh, is dealing with a rough form of cancer and be going uh, back into some surgery this week and perhaps some other treatments going on. We've not been able to see them because they've been there with her. Uh, and so I just want us to, in light of that song, pray. Uh, how great is our God? Our God can heal supernaturally, completely to the confusion of medical people. Are we on the same page? you understand what I'm talking about? James 5 tells us to pray. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for God to bring healing to Amanda Bankston. James also makes it clear that as we pray, we pray, if the Lord wills, we do not demand or control or command God. He is God. But we believe He's able. How great is our God? And we ask Him for His glory and for our joy in Him, even for the witness to His name for those that would be surrounding the Bankston family there in Colorado Springs this morning that would, that would watch God move. So join your hearts with me as we pray. Father, you are almighty. There is no one like you. You reign over all things. You created us. You give us our next breath. None of us, healthy or not, just keep living because we have the will to live or power in ourselves. Only you sustain our being every moment of every day. And God, if that's true, if you made all things, if you keep us together and alive, then you, the creator and sustainer of all things, you can heal. You've shown us you can. All through the Gospels. We've seen it in answer to prayer here. And today we come in obedience to your word. And we pray that you would bring healing in Amanda's body. That as the great physician you would act and intervene. And change what's happening there. Completely. For you are able, you are worthy. Do it for your namesake, O oh God. Do a miracle is what we're asking for. Unashamedly, and we're asking in faith. We believe, we know who you are. And because we know who we, you are, we pray boldly and expectantly. But Father, we ask if it be your will that you would do these things. 
because we also know that you're so much wiser in the outworking of history than our thoughts. And so we trust you now. Father, in this moment, I just pray that right now you would especially encourage and comfort Ken and Ruthie. That even right now across the nation out there in Colorado that you would surround and hold and comfort Ben and Amanda and their kids. And I pray for great wisdom and guidance and understanding to be given in the processes of medicine that are going on there with doctors and nurses. But Father, again we ask as we close this prayer, would you surprise us with what shouldn't surprise us? Would you let us get news that Amanda's been healed? You can. So we trust this into your sovereign wisdom and plan and knowing your goodness in all things. Thank you that we can pray to our great, great God. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Got one more? Yeah. We'll sing one more because I got to get over that. This next song was, sums it up to Great is Thy Faithfulness.
Father, we just bow our hearts before you, thanking you that you are absolutely faithful to your word and to the word given to us, to the truths and promises that you've spoken to us through Scripture. God, we are often unfaithful and faithless, and yet you cannot change. You cannot deny yourself. You are always faithful. And how we praise you for that. Lord, I pray that we would, as a result of our time in your word now, that God, we would see the beauty of Christ, that we would see the power of Christ, and that we would be moved to take hold of what you offer us in Christ. For some in the room today, God, and watching by live stream, salvation, that they would, for the first time, come into a personal relationship have, be, have peace made between them and God through the finished work of Jesus by simple childlike faith today. For us who are your people, for the church of Jesus Christ, Father, I pray that we would take hold of the power, the strength, the ability that is not ours but can be ours as a gift from you. And God, that you would do a work in our hearts, that you would do a work in our church, that you would change us and that you would get greater glory in the days ahead because of what happens in these next moments. We thank you that we can pray and now we wait on you to powerfully, by your spirit and through your word, answer for you alone are worthy. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated and... If you would take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to Mark chapter 9. We read from Luke chapter 9. We we're studying through Luke. But we really need to go to Mark chapter 9 to get the full story of what was going on in the moments that we've already read about. Uh, Mark will fill in some things that will really help us to understand what Jesus is, is teaching uh, his, his people here, his disciples there. So, find Mark chapter 9, and in just a few minutes, we'll pick it up with uh, verse 14. So, this is the African Impala, and what I'm told about this creature that lives on the African continent is that that thing can jump to a height of 10 feet high. Now, I'm 5'7 on a good day, so just imagine two of me, which still isn't very high, I understand, but that's, that's like 10 feet. That's way up there. Uh, Mr. Bobby, I was up Rock Creek the other morning um, and riding up through there, and you're familiar with that valley, and you know the system place up there on the right. There's a dark brown fence, and that fence, best I can tell, is about five feet high because, like I said, I'm about 5'7, so I mean, it's high. Five feet high. And I was riding along through there, and there was these two bucks standing there. One, the one I'm talking about, pretty nice six, eight-point uh, buck, standing literally from me to this podium from that fence. 
flat-footed standing there. And when I came along, all of a sudden, without, without any kind of, Andy, there was no uh, run and jump. You know, I mean, we need run and go if we're going to jump anywhere. At least I do. That deer, standing right by that thing, five feet high, just jump right over it. Now, that was pretty amazing, but this impala can do twice that, 10 foot high. It can cover a distance in one jump of over 30 feet. But an African impala can be kept in any zoo or enclosure around the world with just a three foot wall. You say, well, how does that work? Any ideas? Any, I mean, what sense does that make? They can jump over three times that high, but a three-foot wall. Go to the zoos around, go to Atlanta Zoo. You'll see it's a three-foot enclosure. They don't have to have a 10-foot wall to keep the impala in. Why? Because the African impala will not jump if they cannot see where their feet are going to land. How about that? And if you're awake, you're already tracking along, aren't you? Could it be that you and I as believers are much like the impala? Could it be that the reason we don't see God's power more in our own individual lives or in the life of our church is that we can't see what God's going to do before He does it, so we don't believe that He can, and therefore we don't ask Him to. Hello? You see, me and you are, are, are kind of like this when it comes to God and, and God working in us, God working in our church. You know how you, you, know how you can nowadays, uh, a new movie comes out. I mean, you can decide pretty quickly, and obviously they, I mean, they tailor the trailer to get you to go watch it, but, but you, can, you can get a feel for whether you're even interested by the trailer, right? Put these movie trailers out. So before you go and see it, I mean, you don't have to commit. Like, you can kind of feel it out. You can get a preview, right? I mean, we, we, we want a preview. Like, if I'm going to commit to spend $16 a person or whatever it is now to go to the movies, which, I mean, I think some of them are hoping again. It's been a while, right? Then I want to know that I'm actually going to be interested in the subject matter, like it's really going to be worth my commitment of money and time. And that's kind of the way we are with God sometimes. We can't see what's on the other side of the fence where we would have to, in a sense, leap, trust, jump. And so we don't. And somehow we just hope that God magically does His work Another way, through somebody else or through another church or whatever. I want to talk to you this morning from Mark chapter 9 about the key to unleashing God's power. That's not a very original title. And I, I tried to do better. But the bottom line is that's what this passage is about. It's about the key to unleashing God's power in your life. The text begins in Mark 9 verse 14. And when they came to the disciples... They saw a great crowd. So this is Jesus and his three closest disciples. They come down to the mountain to where the rest of them are after the transfiguration. And immediately all the, uh, and they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, 
were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he, Jesus, of course, asked them, what are you arguing about? It's going to be a little different this morning. I'm going to like clip right through about eight observations about this text before we really get to the main point, and then we'll make it and wrap it up. Number one, notice in verses 17 and 18, this boy's torment. You've already heard this story from Luke. It's about the demon-possessed boy, uh, 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 Mark 9, verse 17. And someone from the crowd answered him, What are we arguing about? Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. We'll get to the rest of what they're arguing about later. Matthew's account of this same story adds a little more detail about this boy's torment. Uh, Matthew 17, 14, and 15, it's on the screen. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him, we're told there he bows down in front of Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly, for he often, listen to this, falls into the fire and often into the water. The, the boy's torment, it was terrible. Convulsions, foaming at the mouth. He was mute because of it. He ground his teeth. He, his whole body would become rigid. This evil spirit would throw him, to, throw him into fires and into water. I mean, just imagine if you were this dad watching this boy's torment. Having to, having to stay right with him because think about it. If the evil spirit th threw him into the water, why do you reckon he did that? He did it to kill him. If he, if he threw, it in, threw him into the fire, why would an evil spirit do that to the boy? To kill him. And so there you are. You're always going behind uh, your son trying to make sure he doesn't die because this evil spirit has a grip on him. Now, we don't deal with demon possession. And today is not a sermon on demon possession. But understand, that's what was happening. That's the life this boy was living. Notice second in the second part of uh, verse 18 there. The disciples' failure. So the, the dad says, this is why I came, my boy's torment. But I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And they were not able. Can you imagine being the disciples in this moment? As Jesus learns that while he was up on the Mount of Transfiguration... They had an opportunity to serve him and to glorify God, and they failed. They just they blew it. More on that in a few minutes. Third thing I want you to see from this text is verse 19, Jesus' rebuke. And so he answers them. So he's responding here not so much to the Father at this point, but to his disciples that could not heal the boy. He answered them, Jesus' rebuke, O faithless generation, how long? Am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? And then he addresses the Father for the first time, bring him to me. How, oh, faithless generation. He looks at his disciples, he says, guys, where's your faith? Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? The idea is, and you not learn. How long am I to bear with you? In, in, in Matthew's uh, account of this, it, it says, Oh, twisted and perverse generation. You, you, you've got your eyes in the wrong place. They're not on me and my power. They're on you and your status. Fourth thing 
in verses 20 to 22, Jesus' compassion. Note it here. And so they brought him the boy. And when the spirit, that is the, the evil, demonic spirit that was in the boy, when the, when the spirit saw him, that is Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. Jesus' compassion. Jesus did not need informed by the Father about the history of this boy's disease, did he? And this demon possession. He didn't, he didn't need uh, the Father to tell him that. He knew those things, right? Why does he ask him? Because this Father's hurting. And Jesus models for us what is true in, in your relationships and mine. Sometimes the beginning of, of ministering to one another, loving each other, is just to listen and let people tell their story. To he, let them know that you care about them as a person. You see, this father was not coming to this impersonal force, this healing station, where a machine, you push a button and it, Make, he, this powerful machine makes you better. He was coming to the person of Jesus. And Jesus cared about this man. This man's life, who he was, where he'd been living with his son mattered to Jesus. And he was compassionate and he wanted to hear the story. Maybe there were other reasons. Maybe he wanted this testimony to be given so that when he healed the boy, it would be even greater to the glory of the one who healed him. Amen? Verse 22, the second part, the father, notice the father's desperate and doubtful plea. He just told Jesus, it's been from childhood, it's often cast him into fire and water to destroy him. But Jesus, listen, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. This word for help, it's a word that... that, that the idea is, uh, just think of, uh, of uh, more of like rescue us. So, so you happen to be passing by someone's house is on fire, and you help them. You run into the house and get them out. This is the picture of help in this passage. That's how this father felt. Jesus, here's my desperate and even doubtful plea. I, I don't know, Jesus. I'm here. I don't know if you can do anything, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Well, in verse 23, Jesus gives this rebuking promise. And Jesus said to him, if you can. It's a statement, kind of, but it's almost a question. It's a sarcastic response. If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. What that means is all things are possible for God, and all things are possible in your life if you turn to God and believe. If you can, Jesus said, all things are possible for one who believes. There's a promise, but there's a rebuke all at the same time. And then in verse 24, notice the, the Father's response, the Father's prayer, look, of weak faith. You ever prayed one like this? 
Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. Jesus, okay, you say you can. I believe a little bit. Help the rest of my unbelief. I'm going to take you at your word with the little bit of faith I have. Help my unbelief. The Father's prayer of weak faith. Surely he had heard of Jesus' ability to heal. That's why he came. He had a little bit of faith. He believed a little bit. He at least wanted to believe that Jesus could heal. Why then perhaps this weak faith? Why this question, if you can do anything... Well, again, imagine living where he's lived with this boy. You know, the man was human. The the scriptures and the Psalms talk about God remembers that we are dust. This guy was feeling pretty dusty at this point. For however many years, he's been watching the torment of his son. And here's the bottom line. He's just flat tired. He's exhausted. He doesn't know if he can make it through the day as the dad of this boy, much less whether Jesus can heal this kid or not. He's just tired and and just about done. And yet he cries out a good prayer. A prayer of weak faith. I believe, help my unbelief. Well, verses 25 to 27 record Jesus' powerful and compassionate healing. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus' powerful and compassionate healing. And, 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 and there's something to the fact that Jesus touched him. He, he reached down and takes this like-a-corpse boy's hand and picks him up. There's something to that personal connection Jesus makes, that personal touch. Jesus could just said, get up, and guess what he'd have done? Because just like he commanded the demon, he could have commanded that boy, and that boy would have sprung up on two feet, just boom. But he, he, he gently and compassionately reaches down and touches the boy, takes the boy by the hand and lifts him up. Now we come to the main point of the story. Here's the main point of the whole message. Faith enough to pray is all it takes to unleash God's power in and through our lives. Do you see it in the story? We just read it. We just looked at it. We just unpacked it. Faith enough to pray is all it takes to unleash God's power in and through our lives. Faith enough to pray, I believe, help my unbelief. It started with, if you can, Jesus, would you please have compassion and help? Would you run in and pull us out of this awful 
fire that's burning our family down. Would you, would you rescue us here? But then it stayed weak, and, and yet it, it was an expression of faith, and it was enough faith that this man cried out to Jesus and said, I believe, but I'm going to need you, God, to help me with my unbelief. I believe a little bit. I believe enough to talk to you, Jesus, about this. I believe enough to cry out to you, but that's it. That's all I got. I'm going to need you to help me with the rest And what we see in this story is that faith enough to pray is all it takes to unleash God's power in and through our lives. Jesus cast out the evil spirit. Another uh, another parallel passage says never to enter him again. He, He got the job done. This dad never dealt with that evil spirit tormenting his son ever again. Because Jesus spoke and cast it out. Verse 28 kind of circles us back around to the disciples. They were in trouble last time we saw them, right? Just a minute ago when we, Jesus was calling them faithless generation and so forth. Verse 28, and when he'd entered the house, so, so they leave this public moment and they go into a house nearby. We think they're in the region of Caesarea, Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi at this point. They go into someone's home, and when they get in the house, it's just him and the, the, the twelve. His disciples ask him privately, why could we not cast it out? They've been thinking about this thing. Probably embarrassed before Jesus got down the mountain when they were asked to cast it out, and they couldn't. Then Jesus comes, and they get rebuked in front of the whole, whoever out, was all out there, the whole crowd. And so they've been thinking about this thing. And finally, they humble themselves enough to ask Jesus, Jesus, why could we not cast it out? You see, this was confusing to the disciples because if you'll remember back at the beginning of this, 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 uh, the chapter in Luke 9, where we read from earlier, Jesus had given the disciples power and authority over demons and were told in, in, in other uh, gospel accounts that they had gone out two by two and they had cast out demons. So it's a bit confusing when we get to this account, and they can't cast the demon out. So they want to know what's going on. And don't miss this important point. Jesus is here preparing his disciples for the time when they'll no lo- he'll no longer be with them. He's headed to the cross, as we read at the end of that passage in Luke 9 this morning. That's where he's headed next, is to Jerusalem to die. Then he's going to be raised from the dead. Soon after that, he'll ascend to the Father's right hand. The book of Acts will begin to unfold in history. And that book is all about how Jesus continues his work on earth through the apostles, particularly through the twelve in that book, and then the church born out of their witness, right? So this lesson was going to be key to the future formation and growth and power of Jesus' church. And it's still the key today for God's power to work in and through your life. But the disciples needed to learn this before he left so that when he left, they could do the work of the gospel. Why could we not cast it out? They asked. Verse 29, he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Jesus looks at his disciples and said, Guys, here's the deal. 
you've got to depend on me and the Father for the power to serve me and minister to people. Undoubtedly in that moment, they thought, we've done this before. We got this. We've cast demons out before. Oh, absolutely, we got this. Yeah, 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 bring your son over here. Watch this, guys, right? Maybe they got cocky, and maybe they, in, in their own strength, no doubt in their own strength, they, they, they thought, yeah, we'll, we just, we'll just do it like we did last time. Demon be gone, and, and nothing happened. Now, you may be wondering, so how did they do it before? And I don't know. You know, when he sent them out two by two, I've been thinking about this, and, 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 and this is not a big deal. We'll, we'll bat this around a little bit more on Wednesday night at our Bible study. But So when he sent them out two by two, did they have to depend on him and pray to cast out demons at that point? Or was it more of a, uh, uh, was, was he giving them baby steps? Was he, did he do something special there where they didn't even have to, you know, knowingly depend on the power of God through prayer? I don't know. I, I, I tend to think. It's the same way as what we're about to see, that they needed to pray, and that when he sent them out, they had to pray. And when they prayed, he answered. And independence, they were able to cast out demons, and they just got cocky and forgot that, hey, that wasn't me but God, and kind of thought, oh, I've done this before. You ever been there? Right? God uses us, and then we take credit, don't we? Maybe not in the moment, but, you know, when we think back on it. Our memory kind of skews things, and, and all of a sudden we did something for the Lord, right? Instead of God worked in and through us. You must depend on me, Jesus is saying. This kind of only comes out by prayer. The disciples, again, perhaps because of their amazing mission trip where they cast out demons, were now in this moment self-reliant, and they'd failed to pray. Let's go over to Matthew now for a minute, and we'll tie all that Jesus says together. In Matthew 17, we learn a few more things Jesus says in this moment. Matthew 17, it's, it'll be on the screen, verses 19 and 20. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. Mark's account says, Because this kind of requires prayer. Here he's, he's Matthew's uh, account fills in some more stuff that Jesus said in that moment. Because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Why could we not cast it out? Jesus said, because of your little faith. The disciples, by the way, have just seen this kind of faith. In the Father's prayer of weak faith, of mustard seed size faith. In that day, in that region, the mustard seed was the smallest of all seeds. And so Jesus is saying, when it comes to faith in God, the point is God, not the size of your faith. The size and power of God, and you simply with a... Any little ounce of faith you can muster trusting in Him. And the disciples have just seen that. When this father cries out, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That's mustard-sized faith. 
That's I don't have this huge amount of faith. I've got a, I've got a, a, a speck of faith, God, but I'm putting it in you. But in the moment, when they had the opportunity to cast out a demon, they hadn't depended on God as seen in the fact that, as Mark's gospel said, they didn't pray. And so just stay with me here. We don't pray if we don't believe God at least a little, right? Y'all all agree with that? Can we, can we be honest with each other? That's kind of how it works. If you don't believe that God can do a given thing, then you don't pray. And conversely, if we pray, we prove that we believe God is there and we believe at least maybe He can probably do something. We've got a speck of faith if we pray. Right? Are y'all with me? This is pretty basic math, right? I mean, y'all tracking? Think about it on the human level. If you have a question and you think you know that your, you think your friend might know the answer, if you think your friend even might know the answer, what do you do? Huh? You text them, or you pick, you pick up your phone and you call them, and you, and you ask them, right? You connect with them. You say, hey, not sure if you know the answer to this question or not, but here it is. So, so in short, faith prays, right? Faith prays. Even weak, barely their faith can cry out to God. That's where the Father was. John MacArthur says, prayer is the highway faith takes into the power of God. So here's, 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 what it, here's, here's where we're going. How much faith does it take to get God's power in your life? How much faith does it take to see God's power at not only just at work in your life, but at work through you in the lives of others? How much faith does it take? Faith enough to pray is all it takes. To unleash God's power in and through our lives. Now, now, can I just say as an aside real quick. I'm not encouraging you to stay at the place where your faith is just a speck. The Bible's full of teaching that t- tells us how to grow our faith. Amen? We can strengthen our faith. In fact, if we're in the Word, that will strengthen our faith. If we're spending time in the Word, that will strengthen our faith. The more we pray, even, even off of a, a mustard seed kind of faith, the stronger our faith will grow. So we should fan our faith into flame. But understand, faith enough to pray is all it takes to unleash God's power in and through our lives. He does the work if we simply and even barely trust Him, just enough to ask Him. John MacArthur says, The Lord never expects perfect faith. He only expects imperfect faith because that's all He's ever going to get out of us. 
Amen? And all of us are going to believe with a measure of doubt mixed in. They'll never be, I mean, here, just, let's just face the facts. Face the music, guys. You will never totally in this life trust God. 100%. And you never have. Hello? Y'all all right? Why? Because we're still in this world. You're in a fallen body. You have what, this, what, what Paul talks about as the flesh, the sinful nature. Your faith will always have an admixture of doubt in it somewhere, even if it's a very, very, very small percentage, even if you fan that flame big until you see him. The Lord never expects perfect faith. He only expects imperfect faith, and imperfect faith is enough. Faith enough to pray is all it takes to unleash God's power in and through our lives. Hear me. But this is not some magic formula. This does not mean that if you believe just enough to pray, then you can command God and bind God to do for you what you want done because you had faith. Are you tracking? But it does mean that God's power for doing God's will in your life is available and can be much more consistently experienced by me and by you than it currently is being if we will ask. It does mean that fruit that God has told us He wants to produce in our lives, what He's revealed to to clearly be His will, can actually be something we see and live out not just talk about. Passages like John 15, 5 can come alive in our lives where Jesus says to us, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't ask, you won't have fruit in your life. And faith enough to ask, to pray, is all it takes to unleash the power of God in your life. To produce fruit, fruit that will last, John 15 says, in our lives. Because it's not us, the branches, that produce the fruit. It's the vine to whom we're connected that produces the fruit. He is able. Joe, you probably could guess the next verse I'm going to read. That relates back to the first song we sang this morning. Romans 8, 11 says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Twice He says it. The Spirit that lives in us is the one that rose Jesus from the dead. And so here's the deal. If He can do that... He can give life to you. What does that mean? He can produce fruit in your life. He can work in your life, and He can work through your life in power. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. And we ought to look like it. Our lives ought to, our words ought to sound like it. Our lives ought to bear witness to it. There ought to be a, a, a a, a, a way that we love, a, 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 a measure of the way we sacrifice and serve 
other people that sets us apart. What is the key to seeing the Spirit's resurrection power at work in your life? Faith enough to pray is all it takes to unleash God's power in and through our lives. I mean, just think about it on a very practical level. Let's just bring it down to Tuesday at 11.30 a.m., okay? That's where, where are you going to be? Well, let's just put you in a situation. You're, you're somewhere, work, school, wherever you're at, 11.30 this Tuesday morning, and God brings an opportunity for you to witness. Let me tell you something that's true in that moment, no matter what you do. If you're His, if you're truly His, then the Spirit of God, Romans 8 says, lives in you. And if that's true, then you have living in you the Spirit who rose Jesus from the dead, who we just said can then in turn enable you to do whatever God calls you to do and commands you to do in His Word. What that means is that 1130 on Tuesday, you have the power in you to go through the open door that the Spirit of God has created in that conversation with your coworker, with your schoolmate, the person you're in class with. You see the door. And you have the power to overcome your, your, your fear, your, your embarrassment, whatever it may be, all those human things that keep us from speaking about Jesus. You have the power. Hear me. The one thing that makes the difference between whether you share Christ or you do not is this. Will, will you have the faith enough to pray? It's that simple. The key to unlocking God's power in your life is in that moment saying, God, help me. God, give me words and opening your mouth in obedience. And watching God give you words, watching God give you, overcome fear. Have you ever been there when, 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 you, when you actually, when you, when you get it right? It is an awesome thing to watch God. You're trembling. You're, and when, when, when these things are over, you're kind of exhausted because you've been wrestling inside. You're scared to death to open your mouth for some unknown reason. They don't have a gun. They can't hurt you. They might make fun of you, but that's it. But you're scared to death. And finally, you pray. In that moment, you do the right thing. You, you, you have in that moment the faith enough to unleash God's power. And you say, God, give it to me right now. Help me right now. And he does. And I'm not saying it's like some light and bolt. Let me tell you what, what, what that means. That means I start saying, well, you know, I need, to, I need to share something with you. Or what you're talking about, you know, you know what God's answer to that is? And I just, I just say something that gets me going with the gospel. And God, by His Spirit, empowers us to talk at that point. That's the key. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, says this, Since, since then we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Is this how you think about your relationship to God and your freeness to pray? For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What ought to be the case is that in those moments of opportunity, 
or flip it in those moments of temptation where we need strength to say no to sin. What ought to be the case is that in those moments we are bold to run to God. And, and, and what I want for us is, is not just a, a barely there faith. That's enough to move heaven and get the power of God at work in your life. But what I want for us is this, that we boldly run to Him. That we don't even have to hardly think about it, but our knee-jerk reaction becomes, in those moments, God, thank you for this opportunity. Here we go. Boom. Help me. And we're bold. Because we know we have this this, this intercessor, this, this, this great high priest, we, we know we got the ear of God because we know Jesus is there interceding for us. He, he, he's, he's paid it all for us. And we are loved sons and daughters of the living God. His throne to us, listen to me, His throne to us is never a judgment seat. It will always be the throne of grace. So we can boldly come. And we can always find help mercy, and find grace to help in time of need. Faith enough to praise all it takes to unleash God's power in and through our lives. Do you believe God just enough to pray and ask Him to work in your life? Do we believe God just enough to pray and ask Him to work in and through our church? Do we? Faith enough to pray is all it takes to unleash God's power in and through your life, my life, and our life together as a church. Let's pray right now. Father, we confess that sometimes our faith is no more than a mustard seed. We get our eyes off of you. Perhaps we drift away from our time in your word, and we look at the world around us, our circumstances, and we simply fear. Perhaps we forget who you are, and we doubt your ability. Thank you for this passage where Jesus teaches us that the faith of mustard seed can move mountains. Lord, we read the book of Acts and we see that these 12 eventually did learn this lesson and they lived it out. They turned the Roman Empire upside down through the bold proclamation of the gospel that was enabled and empowered by simple Faith that prayed for God to unleash His power in their lives and through their lives. And God, all that it would take to turn this nation upside down with the gospel is a church that will do just that. They were not extraordinary men. They're people just like us. And at times they didn't even have big faith, though certainly their faith grew. But they had enough faith to pray. They trusted you enough to believe you could, even a little bit believe, and then take a step of faith 
to allow you to work. God, help us individually to live this out. When we have to, to cry out, I believe, help my unbelief. But God, help us to grow in our faith and help us to live more and more Like Hebrews 4 talks about running boldly to our Father in the moment of temptation, in the moment of opportunity. And latching on, however imperfectly and weakly, to the one who is all-powerful. Depending on the indwelling presence of the of the power of the Spirit, the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us to give us courage, to give us resolve, to help us walk away or help us open our mouths, whatever the the case. Help us, Father, for you're worthy. Lord Jesus, you are so worth our whole lives. You are worth our lives being all about you. You are worth us getting out of the way of your glory in our lives. You are so worth us not keeping our mouths closed with that co-worker Tuesday morning at 11.30, which I pray that you would give people in this church this Tuesday at 11.30 an opportunity to witness. I pray that for us. You can do that. God, may we not just sin and say we couldn't help it. We just got a problem with that. We just can't overcome that. God, may we not demean the power of the cross and the resurrection that way. And even if we're struggling hard, may we cry out, I believe, help my unbelief. Thank you for giving us the key to unleashing your power in our lives and through our lives, all for your glory. Praise things in Jesus' name. And we ask, Father, that if there's any in the room who've never trusted you for the first time as Lord and Savior, maybe right now they are struggling. They're not sure you can save them. You can. You are the, you, your, your right hand is mighty to save. But they've heard enough of the gospel this morning to know that if they will reach out to you, even with a little faith, then you will, in fact, save them. Even with their doubt, God, help them to come to you and cry out. And, oh, God, in that moment, when they look to you with just a, a glimmer of faith, I pray that you would powerfully rescue them and that you would flood their hearts with a sense of your your love and your joy and your peace and that their weak and doubting faith would be made strong Lord that they would know that you are faithful that great is the faithfulness of the God who sent his own son to die be buried and rise on the third day to save us work in their hearts now we pray in Jesus name Amen. let's stand and worship together as we close
as they sing, you come. He will be your righteousness today. song described just what we were talking about, the application of the sermon, amen? Uh, just crying out to Jesus, singing out to Him in, in the middle of those moments when temptation comes, amen and amen. Well, we're going to be dismissed in just a moment, but just a quick reminder, on your way out this morning, we'll begin to receive uh, the offering that we'll complete on November the 2nd. Uh, that is our goal for the Operation Christmas Child Grow With Me Shoes. Uh, the goal is $4,600 to, to help uh, provide 230 pairs of shoes in partnership with North Georgia Christian Academy for this year's Operation Christmas Child. Thank you so much, and we'll be dismissed. We'll see you again if you're joining us live stream again next week at 11 o'clock. Thank you. Have a great week.